millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the game day podcast from TalkSport, the ultimate preview of all the weekend's Premier League action. Alongside me, Sam Razaface this week, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook. And so much to look forward to. Antonio back to revive a Spurs team that looked out for the Conte. And a huge Manchester derby live on TalkSport this Saturday lunchtime. Ring that bell. It's the champion in one corner and the one-time great in the other. Comes back to Ronaldo. Done it again. Oh, my word. It's another Ronaldo rescue. Also this week, Newcastle united around one candidate. (laughs) After irking the Manchester clubs, West Ham looked to cause Liverpool grief. Wolves looked to take a bite out of Palace. And Norwich looked for their first win still away at Brentford. Every game assessed with the thoroughness of a Newcastle United managerial search. It's the Premier League's best preview, the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is game day. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, hello to you. Thank you very much for, for choosing the game day podcast. Darren Lewis, you're right. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, Crook is here as well. Good morning, good morning. What an interesting yeah, week on the managerial merry-go-round. Yes, Antonio Conte is now the Spurs manager. Newcastle's search for a new boss is turning into an episode of Take Me Out. Uh, only everyone keeps turning off their light. Um, let's uh, start with a quick word on Tottenham. It's uh, an appointment that obviously gathers headlines, Darren, but is it enough to make them into a top four contender? Yes, in a word. I was doing some research around Conte and I'm just going to give you some numbers, right? Juventus brought him in as their manager in the summer of 2011. Season before, they finished seventh. In Serie A, 24 points behind AC Milan. The following season, they won the title. Chelsea brought him in 2016. They won the title uh, that season. But the year before, before he arrived, they finished 10th, 31 points behind Leicester. Inter Milan... They hired him in uh, May 2019. The season before they arrived, they were 21 points behind Juve. In his first season, he closed that gap to four points and finished second. A year later, he won the title, and that was their first title in 11 seasons. This is a guy who closes gaps. And in a season where West Ham have confounded all the people who would have actually laughed in your face had you suggested that they would be a contender for the top four, I am incredulous that people do not believe a guy with his clear track record for all to see can't go to a club like Spurs where they've got good players, they're just disillusioned and he can turn that around. 
there's no doubt that he can do that. Um, as I've mentioned many a time, he turned Chelsea into a Premier League winning team with Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses as wingbacks. And that never looks possible uh, prior to the start of that season. Um, but does it not strike you as a little bit odd, Crookie, that Conte takes a job they didn't want in the summer when investment wasn't forthcoming? Now he's expected to get investment to build a squad, but he's only signed an 18-month contract. doesn't seem to add up to me. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I think Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici have gone to Conte very much cap in hand, having clearly made the decision Saturday evening, really, to part company with Nuno Espirito Santo. I know it took until Monday morning for that to be formalised. It's a very lucrative contract, double the money that Nuno was earning. There is a year's option at the end of the 18-month deal. We should stress that, uh, should things go according to Levy's plan. I think he will get funds to spend, if not in January, then certainly in the summer. And I think that fourth spot is up for grabs. I agree with Darren. Um, you look at the Manchester United situation when you can't really rely on them to produce a consistent performance from one week to the next. Conte is a world-class manager, um, and I think that will make a big difference between now and the rest of the season. In terms of making that jump from being top four contenders to the Premier League title, I think that will be much more difficult. And I think with that in mind, this is arguably... Conte's biggest challenge of his managerial career because you're competing against Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, Liverpool uh, and Jurgen Klopp and Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. This is a stronger Premier League than the one that Antonio Conte left behind. Uh, Unai Emery has turned down the chance to go to Newcastle. It was a strange 48 hours because I've been told that he was convinced to stay at Villarreal as a result of a conversation with the billionaires that run the place uh, who pointed out, you know, the sort of men of honour you know, if this is how Newcastle do their business now, what they're going to do their business like when things turn sour. Newcastle had been briefing that he was going to take the job on Sunday night. They'd conducted a Zoom interview with him behind the back of Villarreal on Sunday, but not negotiated a full contract. That was then leaked to the press, breaking a confidence uh, to Unai Emery. Instead of having a go at him, what they did, the owners of Villarreal, just basically said to him, look, you know, this is how they do their business now. What are they going to be like when you're under the cosh? They're going to be doing the same thing uh, to you. Stay here, build the legacy that you said you're going to build, stick with your contract, and we can go forward. And he's decided in the end that that is the right thing uh, for him to do. Eddie Howe now in pole position. I hear the owners still gauging whether he'll be popular on Tyneside. I mean, is that some sort of joke? I mean, if you're a Newcastle fan, if you're the owner of Newcastle, do yourself a favour. Just welcome the guy with open arms. A few reasons. One, no one else wants it. Two, he actually does. Three, he's hungry. Four, he's talented. He took a small club up four divisions. Belittling those achievements of a good coach who spent his time out studying how to be a better one seems very churlish to me. Yeah, I agree uh, 100%. And I know the Eddie Howe camp have been a bit surprised by the somewhat negative reaction from Newcastle fans. And I don't get it either. This was a football club at Bournemouth that were heading out of the Football League when Eddie Howe took charge. And in two spells, he led them from the abyss into the Premier League and kept them there for five seasons. Uh, yes, he went down in the end, but you would argue that Bournemouth were always going to drop back into the Championship eventually. And I think to keep them there for as long as he did was a, a fantastic achievement. Uh, like you, I've been told that he's been watching lots of football. He's been watching lots of uh, top European clubs in action. I know he and Jason Tindall were in Madrid, uh, watching Real Madrid a few weeks ago. And he's ready to come back and he, and he really wants this job. And surely that's half the battle. Uh, Unai Emery clearly wasn't sure. Therefore, he wasn't the right um, candidate. And I think what we should stress here is this isn't a Tottenham Nuno situation. Eddie isn't seventh or eighth choice on the list. They interviewed a lot of 
very high profile managers from home and abroad. And they whittled it down to a short list of two. One was Unai Emery, who they decided to make an approach for indirectly. And the other was Eddie Howe. So on that basis, logic tells us that if Eddie Howe still wants the job and I haven't been told otherwise, then it should be his. But this is Newcastle and you're never quite sure that the various parts of the decision-making process are all singing from the same hymn sheet. Darren? I do slightly agree, uh, disagree with, with Crook. I mean, all of the things that you said positively about Eddie Howe, I'm 100% on board with. But I do know, um, and I know this because I broke the story for the Daily Mirror, um, that they'd approached a number of other candidates before for Eddie Howe and those candidates were insistent that they would want to stay where they were they weren't dazzled by the Saudi riches they felt that Newcastle were in too perilous a position uh, to take that job I'm also aware that any offer given to somebody to take the club take charge of the club includes a clause that they could terminate at the end of the season if the club goes down. And that wouldn't give, for example, Eddie Howe the chance to do what he does best, which is reshape teams, regroup, and get them organised to go up, which is exactly what he did with Bournemouth. I think the overall picture at Newcastle is one of a chaotic, shambolic club run by businessmen who don't leave things to the football people. If they were to do that, they'd have a better chance of sorting this out. But... They took over October 8th. They sacked Bruce on October 20. We are now nearly a month on from when they assumed control and they are no closer to getting a manager when they had believed they would have one in place for the Brighton game this weekend. An interesting couple of days, I understand it is going to be. OK, let's look ahead to the weekend action where the headlines are most likely to be made at Old Trafford. <laughs> It's the champion in one corner and the one-time great in the other. Pass back to Ronaldo! Oh, and again! Oh, my word! It's another Ronaldo rescue! He's delivered twice for Manchester United tonight. You look at the performance and go, wow. If they take that into the Manchester derby at the weekend, they're in big trouble. Manchester derbies are always special. Special games, of course. We're up for it. Fans are up for it. Morris has got a chance to make it. Four for Manchester City. I know how difficult um, is United. I had the feeling that every season is better. If Man City are at it next weekend, they okay. will destroy Manchester United. Manchester United have conceded the first goal in five of their last six home games. They conceded the first goal in midweek. In fact, they've conceded the first goal all the time. And for all their attacking prowess and Ronaldo's rescue acts, they were once again shambolic defensively against Atalanta. You can't help but think, Darren, that Manchester City will rip them apart like Liverpool did, especially in the absence of Rafael Varane, if they perform in the same way again. 100%. Uh, it doesn't matter if they play three, four or five at the back. Atalanta were poor in the final third and they had more chances than you can shake a stick at. City, with their movement, with their cohesion, they warmed up. They, they will they will tear United apart. Uh, Varane is now out for a month, we understand. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're going to be even worse than they were the other night. Sorry, I know you got your head in your hands, Crook, but I, I'm just crying. Gotta... I can see the tears rolling down his <laughs> cheek. I don't know if he's just changed his contact lenses or whether or not that is real tears. But, you know, it's two clean sheets in their last 22 matches. I'm sorry, but it is insane. I say this now 
every week, but it's insane that the idea that Conti would not have been the guy that you turn to instead of limping on with Solskjaer in charge. You saw moments in the game the other night that laid bare the utter desperation of that club to have somebody who is organised, efficient, somebody who can whip those boys into shape, get them knowing their jobs. Honestly, we football is like the emperor's new clothes. Somebody influential says, no, don't get this person. And everyone says, yeah, it's true. Don't get him. Don't get... Come on. You cannot possibly believe Conti would not have been a, a better option. And I think this is the reason why Spurs tied him up so quickly. Because Levy knew if the results went south or continued to go south, for United, somebody somewhere would have said, this is madness, we've got to go and get Conte. And so Spurs had an opportunity to tie it up quickly, give him whatever he wants, get him in the door, get that optimism back. And now Spurs fans are delighted. United fans have got their heads in their hands like crooks. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we all agreed that Antonio Conte would do a fantastic job. I think we, what we disagreed on last week was that Manchester United uh, didn't fancy bringing Antonio Conte in. And they haven't, and they haven't brought him in. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still manages to hold on to his job. And they said three games he had to hold on to his job. Uh, they beat Tottenham, but I think that said more about Tottenham than it did about Manchester United. Crook. The draw in Bergamo was loose. It was reckless. Um, Harry Maguire's performance was troubling. Uh, Eric Bailly running around like he just pulled the emergency call was probably the best defender they had in the team, but... You know, just flinging himself all over the place, as is his usual uh, set of behaviours. Um, it was, you know, I, and Marcus Rashford apparently was playing in the game. I didn't see much of him. Um, if he loses against Manchester City, where will United go next? Because there's, there's no ready-made replacement now. So that they've almost got a limp on with him until the end of the season before they make their move. They'll go away on their international jollies and then to Watford after the international break. Still with heads firmly in sand. This is a this is a bizarre situation. Um, I mean, that game in midweek epitomised it all. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when Ronaldo smashed in that incredible goal that he had no right to score in stoppage time. Because time and again, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is being bowed out by individual brilliance, as he has over the course of his reign. Uh, for much of his tenure, he's relied on Bruno Fernandes. Now Ronaldo is his go-to man to get out of jail. They should be out of the Champions League. I was at the Villarreal game at home. They were dreadful. Ronaldo scored a last-minute winner. They were 2-0 down against Atalanta. Utterly abysmal defending. Ronaldo scores a last-minute winner. They should have lost the game the other night and their place in the Champions League would have been hanging by the thinnest of threads. Ronaldo suddenly puts them into a position where they're top of the group. It's just utterly insane uh, that the powers that be at Old Trafford believe that Antonio Conte couldn't improve a very talented group of players. And with Novaran they're going to get battered at the weekend. But no it, question about that in my but, mind. But they do score goals. They do score... I mean, as much as you you can batter them for their defensive ability and their defensive inability is actually worth highlighting because it's unbelievable. Frightening. Frightening. But, but, but going forward, actually, they do always look like they're going to score goals. Fernandez, brilliant at creating chances. I mean, he created two goals for... Um, Ronaldo at the uh, at, at the stadium in Bergamo on Tuesday night. Brilliant. The combination between the two, brilliant, fantastic. But they just don't ever look like keeping, not even a clean sheet, but just playing a game where they only can see one goal. Um, the position But that's down wrong. to the coaching. The midfield's a problem. Yeah, Paul Pogba playing in midfield the other night. I mean, phew, the amount of chances that he helped Atalanta create was crazy. 
But that's down to the coaching. Any manager at any level, if you gave them Ronaldo, Fernandes, Greenwood, Rashford, generational individual talents, they're going to score goals. The real trick with this Manchester United team is getting Harry Maguire back to being a half-decent defender, um, getting Paul Pogba to be disciplined in midfield, getting Fred uh, to actually pass to his own teammates instead of the opposition. The plan is, don't worry, lads. Ronnie will get us out of trouble. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. You're 100% right, Crook. And, and this is what I mean about Conte, that what United are suffering from is an old boys network of people who think you have to get the club to get them successful again. And what United need is somebody like a Conte who's going to go in there and put egos to one side and all the club sentiment and loyalty to one side and really get individual players doing their jobs. Right now, they're not doing all the examples you've just nailed there and more are there for everyone to see. But we are knee deep in this nonsense that you have to somehow get the club to be able to make a success of managing Manchester United. And that's why there are so many other big clubs now and even smaller clubs like West Ham who think there's a chance to storm the gates right now because United are sleeping. Yeah, City obviously looking to bounce back themselves, actually. Not from midweek where they're just having Blitz, Bruges, not worth talking about. Uh, but, uh, but against Crystal Palace, actually, Crystal Palace had a better XG than them, i.e. they created a lot more at the Etihad Stadium. And the same old problem sort of persists for Pep Guardiola. De Bruyne's influence has waned. But that should have, they should have more than enough to beat United. I mean, they've drawn with Liverpool. They've beaten Chelsea already. But this could be one of those occasions, maybe, Darren, is it, where United sort of show a bit of character, resilience, team spirit comes through, all becomes a bit sort of emotional and passionate rather than anything to do with tactics. And you know, they drag themselves through. Is that possible? Or are City really going to open up and rip them apart? I remember once Mike Tyson was in a, a fight when I was a kid. I wasn't really a boxing aficionado, but I did have this curious fascination with Mike Tyson and his pomp. And I remember one particular fighter who disappeared without trace afterwards. And but the head of the fight with Tyson, he was talking about what he was going to do and he was going to do this and he was do that. Mike Tyson just looked across at the pre-match press conference and he said, "You're in serious trouble." <laughs> and I think United, <laughs> I think United are in serious trouble. Honestly, we keep hoping against hope because you know, let's not kid ourselves. This isn't Bashman United time everyone wants to see a strong man united had we'd Emery prefer come. this weekend if it was going to be a proper contest wouldn't we i mean 100%. that's really what we're looking forward to that's why we've all picked the game to go and cover it that's why we'll be there at 12 30 on saturday live on talk sport we want it to be a contest between two famous old rivals 100 percent. but at the moment it's a contest between ronaldo and whoever united are playing because he is the only guy who does his jobs Cavani, fernandez maybe but i'm telling you with that defence, doesn't matter if they play a three, a four or a five, United are in serious trouble against a Manchester City side who could rip them apart. Yeah, Manchester City haven't scored that many goals that you would expect them to score at this stage of the season. Crook, I mean, is that a concern still for, for Pep Guardiola? I mean, we'll never admit it, but I mean, do you think behind closed doors he's still thinking, you know, we had a struggle last week against Crystal Palace to get on the score sheet? It has to be a concern. I think it is a concern for all Manchester City fans when it comes to challenging for the biggest honours. I still don't think Manchester City will win the Premier League or the Champions League this season without a proper recognised number nine. And at the moment, you have to say the decision, the decision that Pep Guardiola took in the summer 
to part with a hundred million pound for Jack Grealish and not pursue his interest in Harry Kane. I know City will say, well, Daniel Levy wasn't picking the phone up, but I wonder, did they chase quite doggedly enough? That looks a bad decision because Jack Grealish hasn't pulled up any trees and they're still struggling for that focal point up front. Mm, I don't know. I think Jack Grealish, I mean, the City fans you speak to actually think that Jack Grealish has done quite well settling in. I think he hasn't exactly looked out of place. The hundred million pounds going into a club like that, he's played pretty much every match and done too badly. Um, After their last six Premier League losses, Manchester City have turned up in the next match and won. Um, The away team have won eight of the last 11 meetings in the Manchester derby. So that's a good omen for Pep. But he hasn't won at Old Trafford in the league since 2019. And Oli has had his number more than once. You mentioned Daniel Levy. So let's talk Tottenham. Everton Tottenham is uh, on Sunday at two o'clock. Would have been difficult to pick a winner from these two had Antonio Conte not been appointed this week. Um, How does he get Spurs scoring goals? That's the key thing, isn't it? Because they've scored nine in 10 Premier League matches so far, and that's a paltry return. I think we will see an immediate upturn in the performances of Harry Kane. I know Darren and I have clashed on this podcast a few times about what type of place he's in at the moment. One goal in the Premier League so far this season tells his own story. I thought his body language against Manchester United at the weekend was dreadful. Antonio Conte won't tolerate that. I don't think Harry Kane ever really believed in the project under Nuno Espirito Santo. I think when he resigned himself, the fact that he would have to stay at Tottenham, he wanted a top-class, elite-level manager. He's got that now in Conte. We've seen what Conte did for Romelu Lukaku to transform him into the complete striker. And I think he will kick on with Harry Kane and Son. We're going to see a change of formation as well. My understanding is that in training this week, they've already been playing a 3-5-2 formation. That's Conte's trademark. And I think the Tottenham squad actually could lend itself to that. So this is difficult for Everton because they're not in a great place. Question marks already over Rafa Benitez. They were pretty abject for much of the game against Wolves on Monday night. I think this is a real chance for Conte to hit the ground running and make a positive start. Yeah, Everton have suffered with injuries recently and that has led to a series of poor results, but their home form has been pretty damn poor for a while. Their only home victories this season have been against Norwich, Burnley and Southampton. And Everton have won win in seven, all told. Look, we are in sacking season, Darren. I mean, they're not going to sack Benitez, are they? But let's just say for, you know, argument's sake, Newcastle came along and said, you know, look, that Rafa situation you've got there isn't working out. Maybe we can take him off your hands. Do you think there could be a sort of transaction to be done there? I mean, you know, Newcastle desperate for a manager. That would be a popular appointment for them. I'll tell you why that would be a popular appointment. A, because obviously they love him. B, because if they were to go down, Rafa is a guy who took Newcastle up after going down before. Uh, C, because he's been in the lower leagues with clubs like Tenerife in Spain before. So, you know, he's not afraid to get down and dirty and, and, and reshape a club in his own image and take them back into the Premier League. So, yeah, it would be. Having said all of that, just because they're in a poor run, it doesn't mean that Everton should throw him overboard. What they should do is get rid of some of the players that are underachieving at that football club. They've wasted a lot of money. And if Newcastle need a salutary lesson in how not to do it, I mean, they'd probably <laughs> they need as many lessons as they can get at the moment, then maybe they should look at Everton. I think that it's going to be a difficult moment, though, that home form that's so poor. They've lost their last three in the Premier League, all told, but they've lost last two at home. It's going to be extended because I think there'll be an immediate reaction from the Spurs players, all of whom will want to be on board with Conte. They're only five points off the top four, two points away from Arsenal, who are undefeated in their last eight and actually feel they're having a good season. I think Spurs 
will kickstart their reign. Well, we're recording this ahead of Vitesse, and I think that'll be a good indicator anyway. But I think in the Premier League, Spurs will kick off with a win. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. It's no winning 10 for Newcastle. Roll on January for them. It's Newcastle nil, Chelsea 3. They can't get Una Emery, whose stock is replenished but still diminished in this country, mm. to come and take on a project and they're running around briefing the media and making themselves look like a laughing stock. Brilliant goal! Callum Wilson! Oh, what an overhead kick from Callum Wilson. What an effort! You still want to be competitive. You have to be in every game. Brighton have got a really good result at Liverpool, so like anybody in the Premier League, they're, they're no mugs. It's 2-2! Leandro Trossard equalises for Brighton over Albion. I think the players deserve all the credit. They played with such courage, such uh, intensity. They've got some exceptional footballers in their team. I think top ten for Brighton has got to be the bare minimum. I think they are such a good, exciting team to watch. At 5.30 on Saturday night is Brighton against Newcastle. Newcastle have got four points. Their next few games are imperative for them, Norwich, Burnley and Brentford, because they've got Leicester, Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City and Everton in December. Are they going to be in a position, Darren, where they are beyond the point of no return before they can replenish the squad? Yes. In a word, that defence has a mistake in them in every single game. I can't see a situation where they do not concede against, for example, the pace of Jamie Vardy, the ingenuity and movement of Ivan Tony and Mbwemo. I, I just can't. And then obviously the class of the other three teams that you've mentioned. I think they are in big, big trouble. And all that triumphalism from Amanda Staveley and her husband when they arrived and, and all of the talk about, <laughs> ironically, everyone thought that it would be the human rights controversy that would do for them. But actually, in the end, it's plain old football that will do for them and they'll find themselves in the championship. For me, I can't see. And this is because they didn't do things properly. I think if they'd had some leadership and a plan in the first place, they could have got someone in and sorted themselves out early. Because they haven't done that, I think it could be fatal by the time that they get a new manager and a replacement for Steve Bruce. 
And Brighton are eight unbeaten against Newcastle. The last time they beat the Seagulls was in the Championship. And Brighton won the six uh, of their first seven games this season, but they are without a win in the subsequent six, uh, despite a brilliant display at Anfield. Newcastle have taken one point since the takeover, and this is going to come too soon for any Newcastle boss to be in the dugout. Likely to continue a trend of defeats, I think, Alex. Yeah, I'm commentating this game for TalkSport on Saturday. I commentated the corresponding fixture last season and Newcastle were utterly dreadful. I think for me, uh, that should have spelled the end of the Steve Bruce side. I've rarely seen a team in the Premier League down tools uh, so so badly as they did. Uh, Callum Wilson has been speaking to the local media Mm. up in the North East and he's called for them to pick up 10 or 11 victories to secure Premier League survival. At the moment, that seems a long way off. You're right, Brighton not in a great vein of form in terms of uh, picking up three points, but they were terrific uh, with the way they fought back. Tremendous character to get that point at Anfield and up for the inspired display of goalkeeping by Alisson. May well have won, so I think this is uh, this is going to be another difficult game for Newcastle, particularly as they're a rudderless ship. And we should mention at this point that Newcastle went to the extreme length of moving their training session on Thursday from the morning to the afternoon, expecting that Unai Emery would be available to take that training session. What sort of message does that send out to the dressing room? We know how unforgiving players can be. The whole un sort of the way they handled that Unai Emery stuff has been quite troubling, I think, actually. Um, A quick word on um, uh, Brighton, because Graham Potter has... He's attracted more than one or two admiring glances over the course of the last week and all the talk about managers. He has been spoken about quite a lot. You can never really second guess as to what he's going to do. He's quite happy to put players in positions which you don't expect them to pop up in. Dan Byrne, obviously, at times has played as a left wing back. Trossard has played as a wing back. Gross has played as a wing back. You've got Lalana who's played deeper in midfield. Then against Liverpool, he played a little bit further on. You can sort of always rely on him to come up with a solution to any problem. He's an impressive character. He controls himself very well. He's quite even-handed with the way he deals with the media and his players. And he, and he should be and is well thought of, Darren. Yes, all of those things are correct. The only thing that I would <laughs> say is that they're still only drawn, what is it, four of their last five. And in the end, it's all about what you do on the pitch, however well you might present yourself and whatever you might do with tactics and formations. That said, you are right to say that he has Brighton in a much better place. He's evolving the side. They've bounced back superbly since they sold uh, Ben White to Arsenal for the princely sum of £50 million. And actually, uh, what they were just one point behind Arsenal at the moment. And that says a huge amount for the job that he's done. I think one of the best things he did was turn down Spurs, ironically, for all the stuff we're saying about Tottenham. Because I think had he gone there, Spurs would have wanted him to perform miracles on, the, on a limited budget. It's different for Conte. They need Conte uh, and, and he can push them around a bit. I think as far as Brighton is concerned, he is a good fit for them. And I think as far as going forward is concerned, he'll get them. If they can get some goals in that final third, some some decisiveness, I think they can go even further. That, that's it, isn't it? Graham Potter, for all of the brilliance he's done at Ostersons, Swansea, we played great, good football in Brighton, where he's established them as a Premier League team. Although they would argue that maybe Chris Hutton did that prior to his arrival. He's... Um, he, 
he isn't someone who's going to walk into a club and start saying, I need this, I need that, give me that, I want this, give it here, come here, you do that, you do this. He's not going to be bossy, he's not going to be a, a sort of Conte, big personality going in, shouting, screaming, demanding, Let, we need to take this club to the next level. It's going to be a more of a quiet evolution. And the big clubs, maybe some of the big clubs, need that sort of character to come in and, and be bullshit, that ego to go in and push people around to make things happen, especially if you're trying to turn a, a tired old ship. I think he's more ruthless um, maybe than his persona puts out. Maybe there's a bit of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about him and that he's not afraid to uh, at times read the right act in the dressing room. But make no mistake about it, if Tottenham could have got Graham Potter uh, out of Brighton in the summer, I think he would have been their manager and not Nuno Espirito Santo. And I think he would probably still be um, their manager, but he's content. He's got an owner who backs him. Um, they're an upwardly mobile club in terms of the stadium, in terms of the, the, the training ground. Yes, there's still probably one striker away from being in, in a West Ham situation, say, and, and actually have the uh, capability to mount a sustained European challenge. That wasn't for the want of trying in the summer, but they just couldn't find anybody who fitted into their financial structure. I think Graham Potter is very settled on the South Coast, and I think he will be there for, for many years to come, building a legacy. OK, let's look at the leaders. The champion in one corner and the one-time great in the other. Greenish tries to poke it into Foden and Manchester City lead by two goals for nil. I know how difficult uh, is United. I had the feeling that every season is better. And then into stoppage time. It's another Ronaldo rescue. What a goal that was. To win a game of football against a top team, Every player has to be spot on. Everything has to be spot on in the top games. Patrick Vieira will be thrilled to pieces. I'm not too sure about Pep Guardiola. Manchester City nil, Crystal Palace two. We know that is still a lot of part of the game we need to improve, but winning at City is good for our confidence. Record shot, brilliant finish from Wang Hee Chan. He is a new star of Bolognese. The Andro Sosson equalises. It's no winning 10 for Newcastle. Roll on January for them. It's Newcastle nil, Chelsea 3. This is game day. Football done properly. Chelsea Burnley is 3 o'clock on Saturday. Front runners Chelsea uh, have conceded just three goals in their 10 Premier League matches so far. And actually, you know, that, that doesn't really reflect just how impressive those numbers are. I mean, three Premier League goals in 10 Premier League matches. I mean, that is a miserly, miserable defence, isn't it? And we've spoke about it a lot last season. You know, Manchester City, I was convinced, even when they were way behind and off the pace, that they would win the title because their defence was the best and was going to be the best. Uh, is Chelsea's best hope of winning the title, Darren, to get out in front, establish a lead and hold everybody at arm's length? Yes, and the fact that they're doing all of this without Lukaku, without Werner, without Pulisic, without Kovacic, it says so without much Mount, more he's been about... missing two games now. Absolutely. I mean, in total, it's now six wins from their last seven in all competitions. They, When you have a defence as good as theirs, and it's the best defence in the top five leagues... You can do anything you want to. They won the Champions League, remember, last season with the best defence in the competition. They look as though they're going to do the same in the Premier League as well. It, I, I can't see a situation where Burnley beat them. I can't see a situation where any other team has 
the the firepower to to test them in the way that actually sees them break. I, I Liverpool, I still think will win the league. I, I just think that Liverpool's front three are so good and their defense. Okay, they've had a few issues, but I still think that defensively, Liverpool are the only team really with the balance to be able to test them. But Chelsea, they look so so good. Um, if there is a team that could uh, ruffle a few feathers, could it be Burnley? Chris Wood up front, Maxwell Cornet, who's uh, sprung into life in the Premier League. I mean, he scored more goals in the league for Burnley so far this season than he did for Leon uh, last campaign. He really has taken to life in the Premier League very, very well. Yeah, he looks a real class act. And I actually think Burnley are in a fairly good place at the moment. I saw them against Southampton. Cornet scored two excellent goals. And actually, it was a... A really positive performance from Burnley and they followed that up with victory against Brentford last weekend. Somebody else I wanted to pick out actually was uh, somebody might have gone under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, Nathan Collins signed from the Championship has been a really good addition to their back, back line. Yeah, it just shows that you can find those hidden gems in the EFL. Their style of play will probably cause Chelsea some issues, but I'm with Darren. It's hard to make too much of a case um, for a Burnley victory, but I don't necessarily think this will be a hammering that maybe on paper some people predict. Brentford against Norwich is also Saturday at three o'clock. Uh, Norwich, they look a, a listless team, don't they, at the moment, especially after losing to Leeds on Sunday when they had that sort of five-minute spell where uh, they took a jab, gave one back, and then very quickly got floored uh, by uh, another um, error at the back. Um, look, the they're still looking for their first top flight win of the season, but Brentford themselves have had their troubles. Could this be one of those games where actually Norwich find a way through and find a way to get something uh, on the board? You're shaking your head, Crook. I mean, you hate Norwich, so you're never going to be um, their biggest supporters. Well, why are you so adamant that they're not going to get anything from the game? Because I'm not sure they're going to win a game all season, genuinely. Is this your bold think... claim for the, the campaign? We, we do yeah, love a I... crooky bold game. Is this yeah. it? I mean, do we need to put some sound effects around it? Get a big voice over to come in. Crookies bold claim. Crookies bold the, claim. The, what is your bold the claim? They, Crook, say it, say it. I don't think Norwich will win a game in the Premier League all season. Whoa, whoa Norwich fans, what do you make of that? Oh, you're not listening to him. There's no way they would have tuned in to listen to you. They won't even know that you said <laughs> But the fact, they, the fact they managed to find a way to lose to a Leeds side at home, a Leeds side who were utterly abject in that game, I think just highlights the problems. It's a squad devoid of confidence. I don't think the players believe that they can pick up points in the Premier League. And I think as much as you have to credit Stuart Webber for coming out and really sticking up for his team in the wake of that 7-0 defeat, 7-0 defeat against Chelsea, I'm not sure it was the correct time and I'm not sure it was the correct thing to do. The, the, The narrative at Norwich now is that they were the 11th biggest spenders in Europe. You have to caveat that and say they made £38 million by selling their best player last season. And <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be shouting from the rooftop about lavishing that kind of money no. when you look at the, the the players because what that tells me is they've spent money badly, yeah, Darren. That's what, what we've said over the course of the whole season. You know, it's all right turning around and keep coming out and saying, yeah, we have had a go. We have spent some money. Well, brilliant. So you've spent it badly. Well, what, where, what do you want us to do? It's like complaining about the fact that you're getting criticism is ridiculous. You're bottom of the table... You never win a game. You never score a goal. And even if you do score a goal, you still lose. Brentford do score goals, Darren. 16 in seven home matches this season. 
with all due respect to Norwich's defence, they'll get on the score sheet again, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. And the worrying thing for Norwich is that it's the perfect game for Brentford to get their confidence back, having lost three of their previous four in all competitions. I, I think all of the things that Crook has said, and I know he doesn't mean to be disrespectful, but he's right. Norwich have lost all their belief. Norwich heads have gone down. They are not good enough for the Premier League. They're in a kind of footballing purgatory, if you like, because they're too good for the championship, but nowhere near good enough for the Premier League. That could be for all sorts of reasons. Maybe they can't attract the calibre of player to uh, that part of the country that needs to get them to where they want to be. There is no point in them trying to spin being the... 10th highest spenders in Europe. It's it's nonsense. Because the (laughs) bottom line is there is not one single player that they bought in the summer that That any any... other club in the top five European leagues will want to buy. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think as far as that's concerned, let's forget that. Brentford have a chance to get themselves back in the zone. I think they'll take it. I think it will be quite heavy, maybe three or four. Uh, Crystal Palace against Wolves is another Saturday, three o'clock. We will get to West Ham, Liverpool, Leeds, Leicester and Arsenal, Watford very shortly. Uh, but uh, very quickly, uh, three of Crystal Palace's last eight league matches have ended 2-2. They're an entertaining team to watch and Wolves are in great form, Crook. Yeah, they are. And I think we have to credit Bruno Large, somebody that I certainly didn't know an awful lot about before he came in. I think that experience that he had uh, of English football as a number two to Carlos Carvajal has set him in good stead. But... Let's make no mistake about it. One of the main reasons that Wolves were so poor in the second half of last season was because of what happened to Raul Jimenez, not just in terms of his absence, but I think the scars that it left on his teammates as well. And it's fantastic to see that Jimenez has recovered so well. He's getting back to the the type of centre-forward that he was before. I think he has the abilities to go and play for a top club, so Wolves should cherish him for as long as he's there. They are good to watch, but Crystal Palace as well. We've got Gilberto Silva joining us on Darren Bent's boot room on Sunday night, and he made a pretty bold claim. He said that Patrick Vieira will one day become a truly world-class manager and manage one of the top clubs in Europe, and I have to say, it's been a fantastic start to his tenure at Selhurst Park as well. And if he does manage a top club in Europe, it's likely to be Manchester City more than it is Arsenal because he gets on very well with the hierarchy uh, there. Brilliant win at the weekend, by the way, for Crystal Palace away at uh, Manchester City. Very, very impressive. I did not see that coming. I don't think many people did. Right. for Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hello, you all right? Yeah, we're great. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. What have you been up to this week? Because you were on a date the last time we spoke. <sighs> I didn't want you to bring that up, Sam. Because you know full well he, he wasn't the nicest. He uh, didn't go well, did it? Well, he said he liked the way I looked, but I was just talking too much. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? I wish that dates came with a little lever that you could pull and the, the, if, if he wasn't up to scratch, he would just fall through a trapdoor. Like, a bit like the Graham uh, Norton big red yeah, chair thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because would you, how long would it have taken for you to pull that lever, Lucy? About 40 minutes in, I'd say. Really? Wow, I think you're being kind. That was when I, I realised be- it was a waste of time me putting my makeup on and I should have just stayed at home with a pizza. <laughs> Did you stay for the whole date or did you, well, you know, when he, when he said what he said, um, did you give him any more 
of your precious time or did you um, pay for a cab? And... She's quite patient. She, I mean, she's learned patience having put up with us three for so long. I think, you know, forget about that sting for uh, Alex. I think we should have uh, Lucy's search for love and you know and and because i think there'll be loads of people who will listen to this who say oh, that, this guy's crazy come on let's let's get Liz, uh, lucy's uh, email address and see if we can maybe show her that there are, are you, better guys out there are you pimping let's lucy hook you out? up with a norwich fan <laughs> <laughs> you can spend your saturday afternoons at carrow road lucy how about that well maybe hey, what think... we should do is the next day i go on if you three come along too <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's going to work out really well. That would be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I got this image of the guy looking over your shoulder. Who are those guys? And then we're all raising his arms. Darren does owe us all dinner. I mean, he could just pay for your next date. We could all go along, enjoy it, whatever. And then at the end of it, we could sort of do like a a little voting thing where he's going to get a second date, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Great. He has to entertain the whole panel. We, We could actually strategically position ourselves behind him. And then when you look over his shoulder, we lift up cards with marks on how he's dressed, marks on how he looks, marks on his banter. I can you imagine Crook giving someone uh, marks on how they look and their banter. I mean, bearing in mind he hasn't used the razor since 1985. Uh, right, okay, should we get on with the quiz? So this week's quiz, we're going to have a look at Friday's game, Southampton against Aston Villa. Ooh. Right, Crook, who is Villa's all-time record Premier League goal scorer? It is Talk Sports' very own Gabby Agbonnahal. It is, with a whopping 73 goals. You're not happy with that question, are you, Sam? It's a very easy one, isn't it? You know, I mean, even Gabby himself could have answered that one. Well, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, Shane Long has spent just 65 minutes on the pitch this season in all competitions, but how many games has he played? (laughs) (laughs) Got to love that, haven't you? Seven. How many minutes was it, Luce? 65. I think it's four. No, it's not. Um, I'll go three. Correct, Darren. It's just three games. We've said every single number under 10, so eventually you're going to get there. I think that looks like descent in the ranks, Lucy. Maybe a a point off the overall score there for our illustrious leader. He's a bit sassy this morning. Darren, the last time Aston Villa visited St Mary's, they won the game 1-0. But who scored? Uh, Sorry, I shouldn't make those noises, should I? (laughs) Sounds like Lucy's date. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, I have no idea. I I will say Olaf Melberg, for some reason, he's in my head. Last season. Oh, did you... Say last season. <laughs> last Sorry, season, I didn't know Left Melbourne is 115. Can I have another go then? No, another, no. Can I have another? So, so he no. said, he said Melbourne. Guys, Melbourne. Guys, so Sam said El Ghazi. You are the uh, arbiter of this game. Can, Crooks, can I Crooks have, been on his phone um, looking it up go. on soccer base. What have you got for us? I wasn't actually. I was talking to a pal of mine. I would, I would have an educated guess at Ollie Watkins. You're all incorrect. So because of that, Darren, you can have another try. Thank you, Lucy. It's very kind of you. I would say. Uh, I think I know it is now. I can't remember. Peter Enkelman. <laughs> I no, can't even remember who's in there. Too. Steve uh, Staunton. Ray Happen. Dane Saunders. Who's in the Villette Billard's team? <laughs> um, uh, Lucy, right. Lucy, is it? We oh, got you are. 
Super John McGinn. John McGinn. John no, he's not. John he's Ross Barkley. Oh. <laughs> so the scores on the doors then this week, then Luce, or now is the running total? So Crook is in the lead with 9.5. And then joint second place is Sam and Darren on nine. Oh, so it's one half of a point uh, separating all three of us. Wafer thin margin. Sam, you are so super cool at every other aspect of this podcast. Then we get to the game and you lose all your trademark composure as you scrap for halves of points. Yes, I know. It's terrible. Do anything to win. So so competitive. It reminds me of when I used to have him running around the tennis court, his little legs going from back to front, trying to get on the end of my balls. I never tried to get on the end of your balls, fella. <laughs> right, let's get to Super Sunday. West Ham versus Liverpool, 4.30 on Sunday. Um, look, Liverpool, what a fantastically entertaining team to watch. 51 goals in their last 11 matches. That was before midweek. I mean, it's an unbelievable number of goals. They've scored most of them. As well, they have had a little bit of a problem at the back, though, haven't they, Darren, in terms of conceding when they've come up against someone half decent? And ultimately, West Ham United fall into that category. Yeah, they do. If you get at Liverpool, they are vulnerable, which is actually quite fascinating when you consider that they are back to full defensive strength. Uh, Canati's finding his feet, Matip is back playing a lot, and he's able to string a few games together as well. So it is quite fascinating, but I look at the Brighton game, I look at the Brentford game, I look at the away Atletico Madrid game. I even look at last night's game, you know, we're recording this obviously on Thursday morning, the morning after the Champions League game at Anfield. And had it been 11 against 11, I think Atletico would have fashioned a few chances. So yeah, attack, I think, is the best form of defence for West Ham. Uh, David Moyes men uh, had scored 14 times in their eight matches prior to their midweek game against uh, Genk. They're a little bit more ruthless and economical with the way that they go about their business, but they've been impressive in big games against Manchester United away in the Carabao Cup with a second string and Manchester City as well. And actually, it could have won the game or could have got something out of the game with Manchester United in the league. They did very well against Tottenham. They're a good, well-organised side. Ben Johnson's playing well at right back, which is keeping Soufau out of the team at the moment. Cresswell's delivery from set pieces is fantastic. And that is where they are at their most dangerous. Yeah, definitely. And I think they can pose a threat to the Liverpool defence from those set piece situations. Uh, highest number of points at this stage of a season since the mid-1970s. But the two games they have lost this season, uh, home to Manchester United in dramatic circumstances and late at home to Brentford have both been on the back of midweek Europa League away trips. That might be a concern for David Moyes. I think this is the game of the weekend um, for me. I think this is going to be a big test for Liverpool, the West Ham fans. I think finally are starting to turn London Stadium into a bit of a fortress. It's taken a long time. It will be an intimidating atmosphere. We know what we're going to get from West Ham. Plenty of heart, plenty of endeavour and shortage of quality either. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to this one. And I think West Ham are more than capable of at least coming away with a point. Yeah, and um, that, I mean Antonio has just dried up a little bit. I saw a sort of fantasy football tweet this week, which was suggesting that maybe it's time to take him out of the firing line if you're a fantasy football manager. I mean, there's no chance that you can do that if you're West Ham's David Moyes, because ultimately they don't have an alternative for him. Darren, 
So he has to keep ploughing on and trying to find that goal form again. The interesting thing about Antonio is that they don't play him in the Europa uh, League at all. They rest him. He's not on the bench. He's not in the squad. And so he, and I would argue that even when he doesn't score for West Ham, he is still so important. He reminds me, actually, I better not make the comparison because people are going to go crazy, but he draws defenders away and opens up spaces for other players behind him. And so for me, I still think he's a huge asset, whether he's scoring goals or not. And when he plays on, on Sunday, I think he will occupy Virgil van Dijk and he will give the likes of Pablo Fernals uh, and Saeed Ben Rama the opportunity to run into spaces and be able to find the back of the net. And bear in mind, you know, they're sharing the goals round at West Ham now. Declan Rice knows where the goal is. He does have a strike on him. So, and then you've got Angelo Bonner who can score goals from set pieces too. So they are not a team solely reliant on Mikel Antonio. Did a load of talking there after you threatened to make a comparison between Mikel Antonio and someone who you thought would cause controversy. <laughs> Far be it for me for a bit of clickbait. But who who was you going to compare him to? <laughs> go on, go on, just tell us. He <laughs> <laughs> can't be that funny. No, no it, not in terms of quality, but just in terms of the way he plays. Haristo Stoichkov. Okay, right. Okay, so that's the headline of the podcast, right? Uh, Antonio is the new Haristo Stoichkov, says Darren Lewis. To be clear, I am not saying that they're comparable players. I just, I remember when I used to watch Stoichkov alongside Romario for Barcelona, and Stoichkov was so strong and barrel-chested, he would draw defenders out of position, and Romario would run into the spaces and score goals. There you go, listener, just in case you ever thought that uh, Darren was telling the truth when he told you he was 35, and there is absolute <laughs> proof that he is not. Um, Leeds against Leicester, 2pm on Sunday. Um, Leicester's season isn't quite panning out as planned, is it? They've won just four of their 12 matches in all competitions uh, prior to the midweek uh, game in the Europa League. Uh, but Leeds might offer them a little bit of salvation, Alex. Yeah, as I mentioned already, I watched Leeds against Norwich last weekend. I was really underwhelmed. Uh, a very different animal at the moment from the one that won so many plaudits last season. We mentioned on Sunday's podcast, they're running six kilometres fewer as a team on average per game. That would be a worry, I think, for Marcelo Biel. So they lack that focal point without Bamford up front. Rafinha played in a more central role at the weekend with Rodrigo dropping back into the number 10. I think they need Bamford fit as soon as possible. They've got problems down their right-hand side. Luke Ayling already injured. Shackleton hobbling off in that game against Norwich. And I think from an attacking point of view, that limits their options on that flank as well. So I think this is a great opportunity for Leicester. A Leicester side who are struggling for consistency, but undoubtedly still have a lot of quality. Yeah, they do. And in the second half of their game against Arsenal last week, actually, they were the best team for large portions of that, created quite a few opportunities. And if it wasn't for Aaron Ramsdale, uh, then uh, Leicester would have got back into the Super game. Super Aaron Ramsdale. Yes, we know he's your best buddy. Um, are you on a cut of uh, his appearance bonus? Or if he gets into the I English wish I sport, was. Something like that. <laughs> I wish I was. Um, Arsenal against Watford is two o'clock on Sunday. Um, Arsenal in, in a particularly good run of form, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're nine games unbeaten now after losing three at the start of the campaign in all competitions. But I don't know. 
I went through and made a list of all of the games that they'd won since the uh, they started to put things right. And the, the teams that they've beaten are all questionable and have all been going through dodgy spells. You're looking at Norwich, Burnley, AFC, Wimbledon, Tottenham when they're having real trouble and inconsistent Leicester we've already mentioned. You know, they're not winning massive games. And as soon as they usually bump into anybody who's very good, they, they come up um, with a bit of an issue. But... Um, there's good balance about the defence now. I like Tavares, who steps in for Tierney, and that happens a lot because Tierney gets injured a lot. Um, I like uh, Tommy Yasu on the right-hand side. I think he's a really good acquisition. White and Gabriel look better balanced at the back. The midfield looks much stronger with Partey and Lukonga in it. And Smith-Rowe's playing well, or Bamiyang scoring goals. So, you know, I mentioned that they have problems when they bump into someone who's half-decent. That isn't going to happen this weekend, Darren. They've got Watford. Do you know, even if you look at a couple of the other games, Brighton, they were terrific in possession, but in the final third, their decision-making wasn't good enough. Palace uh, scored twice, should have seen it out, couldn't see it out, weren't quite there yet. I think if Palace were to play Arsenal now, I think they would have finished them off. They've been very fortunate, Arsenal, but that's not their fault. If other teams either can't see it out or can't finish or... Don't turn up. That's not Arsenal's fault, to be fair to them. I do think, however, when they do come up against a side that can, that is classy, is capable, can score goals, their shortcomings will be exposed. But as you rightly say, that's not going to happen with Watford. Very inconsistent, poor at the back, smashed up the other day. Um, And I can see that happening again this weekend. Okay, Uh, thank you very much to uh, Darren Lewis and to uh, Alex Crook. Uh, Thank you to you as well for downloading the Game Day podcast from uh, Talk Sport. Uh, If you were uh, Lucy's date this week, we do apologise, but you can't have a go at us because we didn't name you. Uh, So if you've been portrayed in a way that you don't feel is acceptable, please contact Alex Crook and he will make sure that you're represented better on Sunday's podcast. uh, The post-match podcast, which will also uh, review all of the weekend's action and be out as soon as you wake up on Monday morning with a review of all of the action. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 